Good evening, brothers and sisters. Please do have a seat. And uh, can I get you to keep your Bibles open, please, uh, at that page? If you've lost it, it's page 1072. Uh, page 1072. It's John chapter 12, verses 44 to 50. And also, when you've got that, uh, in the white bulletin you received as you came in, in the white bulletin, in the center page, uh, there is a sermon outline uh, that's got uh, not only the outline of the sermon, but some cross-references there as well, so it would be helpful to have that open as well. Um, so the center page of the bulletin, and John chapter 12, verses 44 to 50. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us by your Spirit through your Word, and we pray that you help us now uh, as we uh, consider this passage. Uh, we pray your Spirit will strengthen me uh, that I might preach it uh, in his power, uh, and we pray that your Spirit would work in each one of our hearts, that he will point us to Jesus, um, that he will open our eyes, that we might see him and believe him and love him and obey him. Uh, we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story on the internet uh, last week. I don't know whether or not it's true, though if I had to guess, I'd say I think it's probably a fake. But according to the story, some years ago in Russia, there was a man who was traveling on foot through a desolate part of the country. And at dusk, he found himself in a dense forest. He knew there were many wild animals roaming around. He knew his life was in danger uh, unless he kept a fire going all night. Uh, but he'd be safe as long as he stays near the fire. And so he searches through his pockets. He, he finds some matches and has only got three left. And then he gathers together a pile of dead leaves and dried wood. Uh, he takes the first match from his pocket. He carefully lights the fire. We have some competition here. I think that's not it. Okay, so he lights the fire. And the fire begins to burn a little bit, and then it smolders and then, and then goes up. And so very carefully, he lights a second match. Uh, but to his dismay, there's a sudden puff of wind, and it blows up as he's holding the, the match. And so now he's down to his last chance. Just one match between himself and death. And so he will take this very, very seriously. Well, the passage we're looking at today is a bit like that last match. Let me explain what I mean. John's gospel, where it can be found, can be divided into two sections. Chapters 1 to 12 speak of Jesus' ministry up to the night he was betrayed. Uh, collectively, we call this section Jesus' signs because Jesus does seven signs here to show us who he is. Actually, there's many more miracles. Lah, but these are the ones the Holy Spirit records for us through John so that we can see who he is and we can believe in him and have eternal life. And they're all listed there on your outline. Chapters 13 to 21 are about Jesus' glory. Now, these are the chapters where we read what Jesus said and what he prayed in the hours leading up to his death, we read how he's glorified on the cross and then vindicated in the greatest sign of all, his resurrection. 
And so the passage we're looking at today rounds up that first half of John's gospel. It rounds up our current sermon series as well. This is the last thing that John records Jesus as saying in his public ministry before his crucifixion. Chapter 13 onwards is all private teaching. So here's Jesus' final public invitation to the crowds. He's actually already withdrawn from them in verse 36, but now he gives them one last chance. Nothing new in what he says here. Everything here is be, he said before in John's gospel. But here's one last opportunity to hear his word and believe. And so when Jesus speaks here, it's not just like, you know, a very calm, polite statement. In verse 44, it says, he cried out. This is important. This is loud. This is emotionally charged. This is their last chance. They've got to take it really, really seriously. And my friend, you may be here for the very first time, or maybe you've been coming to St. Mary's for many years. But if you're still not really a follower of Jesus today, then, then listen to these words as if this was your last chance to hear Jesus speaking to you. For all you know, it might well be. The passage can be divided into two sections. And you can see them on your outline. And the first one in verse 44 to 46 is a promise for those who believe in Jesus. And the second, in verse 47 to 50, is a warning for those who don't. So let's start with a wonderful promise. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father, and you do not remain in darkness. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father. Look at verse 44. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Uh, to believe in Jesus is to believe in the one who sent him, which is the Father. Because Jesus perfectly reveals the Father. He says in verse 45, And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Now, that's a, that's a huge claim, isn't it? Can you imagine anyone else, any other prophet, any other guru, any religious teacher in his right mind saying, if you've seen me, you've seen God. But that is exactly what Jesus is saying. And that's what the Holy Spirit's been saying through John again and again in this gospel. Right from the beginning of the gospel, in chapter 1, verse 18, we read, and it's there on the outline, no one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. How do you know what God is like? You look at Jesus. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He expresses everything that the Father is, everything that the Father does. He expresses His Father's heart perfectly and fully. There is nothing that belongs to the Father but not to the Son, except, of course, His fatherhood of the Son. You see Jesus, you see the Father. If you believe Jesus, you believe the Father who sent Him. One common question we often get asked is whether the God of Islam and the God of Christianity is the same God. Ever thought about that? 
Well, at one level, we've got to agree, lah, there's only one God. There's only one creator. It's not like there's two real gods, a Muslim God and a Christian God who are kind of like competing against each other. We all know that. But then you have to ask, what is this one God, what is the true God like? Is the Bible's description of the one God compatible with the Quran's description of the one God? Because if not, then you can't really say that Islam and Christianity have the same God. So what is God like? Well, Jesus says God the Father is just like him. Whoever sees me has seen the Father. That would be outrageous in any other monotheistic religion. The Jews of Jesus' day, they were scandalized. But that is what Christians firmly believe. That is the word of Jesus himself. We know God through Jesus. And the God we know is not a monadic God like in Islam, but a Trinitarian one. The God we know is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And He has revealed Himself uniquely and perfectly in His Son. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father who sent Him. And if you believe in Jesus and therefore the Father who sent Him, Jesus said, you will not remain in darkness. In fact, he says, that's why he came. Look at verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Now, the theme of darkness and light has also been a big theme in John's Gospel. Right? Again, it starts from the very first chapter where Jesus is described as the true light who is coming into the world. Uh, in John's Gospel, darkness is symbolic for, for evil and ignorance, and, and light speaks of God's revelation that brings eternal life. And that itself is based on the Old Testament. Uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah, written 600 years before Jesus, the Holy Spirit prophesied a time when God would send His Spirit to save and, sorry, send His servant to save and rule His people. Uh, we read one of the prophecies about the servant uh, tonight. But in Isaiah 49.6, in your outline, God speaks to that servant. And he says, actually, he says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Jesus is that servant. He's the light of the world who brings salvation to those who believe in him. Not just from Israel, but from every nation, including Malaysia. For ever since Adam and Eve turned away from God, we as a human race have been in darkness. We have lived apart from God, following our own ways. We've been under God's curse, heading for His condemnation on that last day. But Jesus came so that those who believe in Him would not remain in darkness. He came so that once again we could live under God's loving rule. He came so that we could know Him as our God and enjoy relationship with Him now and forever. He came to lift the curse from us so that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He came so that we may no longer walk in darkness. 
Isaiah also prophesied about that very same servant in the passage we looked at last week, that he would die for his people, taking the punishment for their sin on their behalf, and then rise from the dead to rule the nations. And that is what Jesus did. So if we believe in Jesus, then we don't walk in darkness anymore. We know God. We are saved by him through that death for our sins. We have forgiveness. We have salvation. Our eternity with Christ is secure. And meanwhile, we are being changed step by step to live and love like Jesus. If we believe in Jesus then we believe the Father and we do not remain in darkness but live in the light. But what if we reject Jesus? What if we say, I, I don't actually trust that he's the perfect revelation of God. Maybe he's one religious teacher among many, but it's not like that he's the only way to God. Or what we say, yeah, 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 of course I believe it's true, but you know it doesn't really make a difference in your life. You don't keep the words of Jesus. That is, you don't actually listen to what he says and seek to obey him. And so passively, actually, you're still rejecting. You're not believing his words. Well, we've already seen that to, to believe in Jesus is to believe in the Father. And so, the converse is also true. If Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father, then if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe the Father. And so, Jesus here not only speaks to those who believe his words, he also speaks to those who don't. He says in verse 47, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. When Jesus came, he came to save, not to judge. He's coming back later, second time, to judge the world, but hasn't happened yet. But even then, his judgment is not like a personal vendetta against those who rejected him. But those who reject him are condemned. And what condemns them, he says, is the very life-giving words that he spoke to them. Jesus continues in verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. Those who reject Jesus will be judged for their rejection of him. The words that he spoke, the patient claims which he repeated over and over again would condemn them. For rejecting Jesus' word is rejecting him. You can't say to someone, I'll disobey your word, but I will follow and obey you. It doesn't make sense. To reject the word of Jesus is to reject Jesus. And more than that is to reject the Father. Jesus continues in verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. 
Everything Jesus says, everything he does is from the Father. The words of Jesus that can bring us eternal life are the words that the Father has commanded him. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus says at the end of verse 50, what I say, therefore I say as the Father has told me. And so if we reject Jesus' words, we're not only rejecting Jesus, we are rejecting the Father. Cannot have one without the other. We cannot have God as our Father while we reject Jesus, His Son. It's simply not possible. So friends, what have we seen from this short passage? We've seen that the message of Jesus Christ is a very solemn message. Jesus is the perfect and final revelation of God. He came to save His people, to bring them into His kingdom. But when people reject His words, they are confirmed in their rejection of the Father, the true God. They are confirmed in their condemnation. Yet Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save us, to bring light to our darkness. That's why Jesus cried out these words 2,000 years ago to a nation that was about to reject Him, to give them that one last chance. And these words, they still speak to us here today. Even on this very day, these words are so, so relevant. Because for some of us, they are the words of eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, you pass from death to life. Your sins are forgiven. You enter into His kingdom. But for some of us, these words are part of our judgment. Hearing the very life-giving words of Jesus only increases our culpability when God judges us for our sins. And so let me urge you, let me encourage you, let me plead with you. If you are not a believer, please believe. This may be your last chance. Don't say, oh, I'll wait until I'm in hospital and about to die. Most people die unconscious or under sedation. Don't say, oh, I'm going to have some fun first and then I'll get serious about Jesus. The more you reject him, the easier it will be to keep rejecting him. Don't say, oh, let me wait for my parents to die or my wife to agree or my children to grow up. You, you follow Jesus and then seek to help them as well. Jesus is the one who brings light, the forgiveness of sins, who offers us a place with him in glory forever. He is the one who died for your sin in your place. He rose again. You've heard his word again today. Please listen to his word and seek to obey him. Please turn to Jesus and trust in him. There is, there is no other way to be saved. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. How you treat Jesus is how you treat God. And if you're a believer today, then can I urge you to keep taking these words of Jesus with all seriousness. The words of Jesus are the words that bring life or judgment. There is a gravity, there's a gravity to these words which we, we cannot overestimate. And amazingly, we, we have been entrusted with these words. As we echo the words of Jesus, you and I, 
bring words that will, will bring people to, to, to light if they believe in them or confirm them in judgment if they reject them. And even if we don't bring those words ourselves, we expose our family and our friends to these words by, by bringing them to church or to the, the guest events or to Christianity Explored. Or, and some people will believe and they'll move from darkness to light. They'll receive eternal life and they will be eternally grateful. And sadly, there'll be others who reject the words of Jesus and by doing so, reject him and the one who sent him. We don't take it personally. It's not us who they're rejecting, but Jesus and his Father. And so we can still love them and care for them and seek to be their friend. But on the inside, we will mourn for them in love. For the word of Jesus they reject will judge them on the last day. And we will keep praying that God would open their eyes and soften their hearts. That one day, they too will believe and be saved. Before it's too late. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that by hearing your word, we can know him, and knowing him, we know you. Thank you that, you're, that you have promised that, that those who believe in him have eternal life. Help us to trust gratefully in your promise. And we pray for those among us who are still now rejecting Christ, whether it be actively or passively. Please would you draw them to the Savior for forgiveness and life. And please would you help us all to be faithful in holding fast to this word and proclaiming this, this amazing word that you've given to us. The word that gives life and the word that judges. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.